Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, 23, episode 353. I'm joined, as always, on this Monday morning by my co host, Stacey. That is Pat. Stacey, how are you doing on this Doing pretty well. Um, uh, I don't know if it was uh, his first non victory Monday in a while, but. Uh... Ah, yes. Yes. Uh, well. I didn't have a team playing this yesterday, so that was great. And uh, lose a bye week. Yes, bye week is uh, fantastic, much needed uh, to reset. I don't know my batteries. I guess I don't really know. Uh, all right, but before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first thing that the Strickland has an Instagram. Check it out. That is at the Strickland. Instagram posts all kinds of new content. And then Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may watch the podcast. If you are and you've not done so already. Please hit like, leave us a comment, and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. Strickland also has merchandise that is available on our website, which you can find at www.thestrick.land. There's a link that will take you to the merchandise store, and you can find all kinds of cool stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it, we've got it. Again, you can find that on our website. And then finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a six-star tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland's podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to... Our newest podcast, Takes from Obvious Bozos, that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, along with Zach Blatter. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the next few more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. And now you also get access to Strictly NFL, our newest podcast that is about, yes, you guessed it, the NFL that is hosted by Constantine Metricos and Jeffrey Rasmussen. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. There's going to a variety of additional benefits. So listen, listen to the power recordings, merchandise discounts, and potentially co-host the podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, and this will be possible without you. And none of this will be possible without Bet Online. The holiday season is off and rolling with the NFL at full stride. And the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four, Bet on, Bet Online has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played from MMA to international soccer. Head to the Bet Online app today and remember use our promo code Believe BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, the Knicks are 12 and 7. They uh, won a back to back when we last saw them Thursday, defeating a more abundant Pistons team uh, in annoying fashion, Ooh, but they did nice, finally take care of business. Nice little SAT word there. Thank you. I've been studying. Uh, and then Friday, they uh, traveled to Toronto and handled the fighting Masai's uh, in honestly pretty dominating fashion. <laughs> the final score was 119-106, but uh, the Knicks completely ran away with this game in the second half, uh, in particular the end of the uh Third quarter, uh, when Josh Hart checked in into the start of the fourth, uh, they just completely destroyed them. Um, I don't know. Uh, the, the Knicks are twelve and seven. They are, you know, they're eleventh in offensive rating, the fourth in defensive rating, they're sixth in net rating. They're 
they are seventh in three point percentage. They're eighth in three point attempt rate. Like they, every metric, they're I think they're number one in defensive rebound percentage by quite a margin. They're number two in offensive rebound percentage. Basically, every metric is saying this team is a contender. Um, and yet, and yet, uh, there seems to be trepidation over a variety of things that I see very many Knicks fans uh, debating over on Twitter, but or sorry on X, uh, but. Um, you know where? I guess, like, let's just where do you where are you at with this team? Are you are do you buy that they are? You know, the metrics are screaming this is like a top six, seven, eight team in the league, or are you kind of like, eh, maybe they, they they have they're good, but there's something that's missing. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been an optimist for a while. Um, six, seven, eight, definitely. Um, I think the only trepidation I would have is what happens in the playoffs. Is this built? To win, is this team built to win the playoffs? But they, that, that was a that was a pretty big win against Toronto. Like we shouldn't. This is you know they're not the best team in the league, but um, you know it was on the road. The kind of team that can give the Knicks problems. Um, I think you mentioned in the strict horde, right? Hurdle has given Mitchell Robinson a lot of problems in the past, and I thought Mitchell Robinson played pretty well. Uh, stats don't nearly show it, um, but you know this is a team that you know they can nullify some of the advantages that the Knicks typically have uh, on the offensive glass um, relative to you know other teams, right? Uh, and they did a good job rebounding the ball, um, but the Knicks now have have other options. Uh, the Knicks have a bona fide superstar in Jalen Brunson who is shooting the other off the wall right now. I, that's that's another thing. We we complained about you know some of the Josh Hart minutes. I thought he was great against Toronto in minutes. Um, but. I think Tips has done a really good job. Um, I do want to throw this, you know, started to play pretty well statistically, at least. You know, the defense is going to be the defense. Are you coming around on Randall? Um, or, you know, is it kind of a wait and see thing? Or do you think, you know, maybe the numbers are misleading and he hasn't really been improving his play? Um, I, I don't care about the the Phoenix thing. If people want to defend that performance and call it good, like they they're just telling on themselves. And honestly, it's ridiculous to call that good considering his play in the two games since then. Um, but but uh, in the two games since the then, two games I think since he's then. been yeah. yeah yeah I think he's been excellent. Uh, I think he's been really really good. I thought the Toronto game uh, is up there with some of his better more most complete regular season games as a Nick. Um, his, he really had a triple double. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't even give a shit about the numbers, but like, I thought he the rebounds he got were real rebounds. They were contested rebounds. He he was not just gobbling up uh, ones that Mitch was kind of letting him have. I thought his defense was legitimate. Yeah, I, I think I thought I thought his defense on Siakam was legitimately good. I thought he completely just dominated that matchup. Uh, I know Siakam ended up having like I think he actually had more points than Julius, but like it it, it didn't matter. Um, I, I thought Randall completely outplayed him. Um, and then, you know, just like the, the defense that are running great, but the offensive decision making in that game is probably the best you've seen of him in a long time. And I mean, look, the Detroit game was a little weird because he was like pretty dominant inside, but he also was 
like he had three air balls in the first half, which was bizarre. But uh, his second half in that game was like really, really good. Um, he was pretty dominant. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say that was a great performance, but I do think it was a very good one. And uh, it was a necessary one because for whatever reason, nobody really other than Brunson had it going uh, against the worst team in the league right now. And um, they needed Julius to have it, and he did. He delivered. So, look, um, you know, I, I think there are a lot of people that were like, oh, what's wrong with this team? What's like? It feels like every time they have a bad performance, win or lose at the end of the day, uh, there's a lot of like, what's wrong? What's wrong with this team? And look, there's 82 games. You're not going to be a robot and play awesome every single time. So, um, you know, we've been on the short end of that stick multiple times. We've been in the Pistons position, right? Where you're like, oh my God, we're going to do it. We're going to beat this team. And then the fact of the matter is they have two players that are better than everybody else in your team. And that's really all they need. And that's really all they need. And like, that's sometimes that's, it's that simple. Like, yes, there are going to be games where quickly can't make a shot. And RJ looks like he can't move. And DiVincenzo is cold. And Hart is doing whatever. And it doesn't matter. Like, that's why you have stars. Stars bail you out of those situations. That's what you get them for. Um, and they bailed us out. And then Toronto, I mean, that Toronto and game. And we have yeah, two stars? Uh, I mean, I think you have to qualify them as two stars, yes. Um, and, you know, that Toronto game was probably, yeah, look, Brunson, I thought, really did a great job setting the tone, especially at the start in the second half. I mean, the way he started that third quarter basically made the difference in the game, you could argue. Um and then Julius, like we just mentioned, like he was really, really great throughout the game. But like, I, I thought everybody contributed. You know, uh, I thought Josh Hart obviously has 15 straight points in the third quarter at one point. Um, I think he finished with 17, 7, and whatever it was. Um, but he had a really good game. DiVincenzo, uh, you know, he had seven threes, you know, seven or nine from three in that game. Um, you know, I thought quickly, like, I thought he came in and kind of played within what was going on. Didn't try to do too much. Um, and, you know, if you look at the numbers, like 10 points, one, one rebound, one assist or something, you'll probably be like, eh, whatever. But, like, I thought he played a really solid game. R.J. Barrett, um, not his best performance. And you know, we'll talk a little bit about his, some of his recent struggles. But, like, I think if that's the worst version of R.J. Barrett you're going to get, you're probably pretty satisfied with what he does by the end of the year. Um, and then, you know, like Mitchell Robinson, Isaiah Hartenstein, really good play again from them. So you're just getting like it was it was such a solid all around performance. Uh, you will notice that I did leave out Quentin Grimes, who uh, I continue to be very very disappointed in so far this season. Uh, although in the third quarter he exploded for four points, so um, you know maybe maybe that'll be the, the uh, maybe that's him turning the corner. But like the point is that was such a that was just a complete win, and and it still feels like there is more. Like they they can get more out of this team. I still don't think they're you know quite humming uh, in every kind of lineup and rotation that's out there. Um, but you're you're starting to see them kind of develop different combinations and different options, and um, that'll be really really important as the season goes on. Um, but you know, I, I think yeah, I'm satisfied with this team. But to answer your question about Randall, like I do think he is kind of figuring it out or turning it on right now. And I don't want to say turning it on because I do think like there's, there's separate issues like the, the stuff about a decision-making and effort. Those are unrelated to anything in my opinion. Like I know there are people that'll be like, well, you know, your how you feel physically can impact like stuff like that. And, and I, I hear that, but I'm sorry. I have a tough time accepting it. I, I think it's like, if you're out there, 
uh, I need you to do some bare minimum level stuff. And he just was not doing that to, for the vast majority of the season. The last two games, though, he's been great. Um, and if we go back to last season, I think we would probably say that somewhere around this time, um, his his offensive efficiency was way better at the same point last season. But um, I think if you were to go back to the same point last year, I think everybody would, or most people would at least be like, yes, his you know kind of focus and his impact and all that stuff really started to take off around this time. So um, maybe he's just a slow starter these last couple of years. I don't know. But, um, you know, considering that he's played, you know, he's got like 50 true shooting right now, 50.8 or something. Considering that, and then you look at, they are, again, 11th in offensive rating, 6th in that, blah, blah, blah. Like, you've got to feel pretty good about where this team is. And, and honestly, I think they have a chance to be, I don't know. I mean, look, they're sitting there in fourth in the East right now. There's no reason why they can't maintain that or, or even help push higher. Yeah, I mean, um, like, I, I've been saying this for a while. Like, I don't expect the record to be that much. I don't, I, I think they'll be flirting a few games up above 500 for the, you know, for the bulk of the first part of the season, I think. Um, I, I think you won't really see them get too much separation based on the schedule until this, but the second half of the season, it really opens up the schedule. Um, and I could really see them going on a run. I think you've talked about how Thibodeau teams tend, tend to do that as well. Um, you know, notwithstanding that second year, um, you know, when they did pretty much the opposite during the home stretch, um, you know, this is Tibbs teams, you know, that first year they went on a nine game winning streak to really lock up the fourth seed. Um, you know, last year they came on strong at the end. You know, part of that was the hard acquisition. Um, I, I think that this is a team that, that can really go on a run in the second half of the season. Um, I think it's easy to say. I think right now, Obi's playing really well in Indiana. Um, and I think anyone who wants to celebrate his success, I don't, um, I won't hold anything against them. Um, I, I really like his playing, but I, you have to say that at least from what this team needs, um, it's tough to say that the, the DiVincenzo acquisition hasn't been a smashing success. Um, you know, if you look at the standings, they're fourth, they're tied with Philadelphia. Um, you know, Philly is, has hit a little bit of a snag after just coming out bonkers. I still think that's a great team. Um, let me ask you this though. You know, if you look at the teams around them, Cleveland and Miami are probably going to be there. Um, Cleveland has not gotten off to the hottest start. Um, but really the team that's, that surprised everyone, um, maybe a year or so after, you know, people really high on them is this Orlando Magic team. Are you buying them, or do you think they fade at some point? Um, I don't totally buy them. Like, I they, they got their ass kicked on Saturday night um, by the Nets, but I don't. Yeah, I don't totally buy them. I think they're good. Uh, they're definitely good. They're definitely better than I expected them to be this season because I, I just did not like their offseason. I thought they didn't add enough shooting. Well, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, but I do think Franz is better. I do think Paolo is better. Um. You know, they're Suggs weirdly really turning into a different place. Yeah, Suggs has been good. And they, they still are, like, right now they're starting Goga at center because uh, Wendell Carter Jr. is out. So, like, that's a position where you'd expect them to get a little bit of a bump because um, Wendell Carter is obviously – he's just a better player than Goga. So, like, I, I don't know if I would say I, I'm selling them, but, like, I, I don't totally buy everything there. Like, I think they finish probably around the – I think they end up fighting for, like, last – the last uh, automatic playoff berths in the East rather than pushing at the top. 
Um, oh. Sorry, say it again. No, yeah, the six seed, you mean, right? You're, you're yeah, like the, the yeah, the last automatic uh, playoff spots, five, six, whatever. But like, um, you know, Milwaukee. I mean, you know, I'm not very impressed by what I've seen of them, and I know they're 14 and six, but they've got like a pretty middling net rating. Um, they are kind of getting by on the fact that Giannis and Dame are awesome. Um, and that can win you a lot of games, you know, like I mentioned before, that's why you have stars. Um, but like their defense is not good and it feels like every game they play is, you know, it requires heroics at the end of it, um, to, to kind of pull away. They did blow a game to Chicago on, uh, on Thursday in overtime nonetheless and uh they didn't have the great zach levine who is a massive game changer in the next week um so that's a very i mean like either way like all kind of joking aside that's a pretty bad loss for a team like the bucks and um you know i don't know i, I think the knicks could pass them i think there's a chance they fall back and then the sixers are really good i don't really know what to make of them in the sense of like they're better than i think I and many others thought they'd be given the whole Harden situation. Uh, but I also think they are like, you know, Max is playing out of his mind. Is he going to do that for the whole season? Is that something to bank on? And if he's not, where do they go for shot creation aside from Embiid? Uh, I know their bench has been, it's better now with, you know, after the Harden trade, but they just don't have a lot of scoring pop um, off of it. So like, I know Ubre coming back will help them. Maybe like I mean, look, he was playing out of his fucking mind to start the season. Is that something you can bank on, or was that like you know more of a flash in the pan? And um, we'll find out. But like, I think when you look at this team, uh, by the way, the Pacers also just fucking smoked the Heat on uh, on Thursday without the uh, the greatest point guard of all time, Tyrese Halliburton. So uh, apparently. Maybe they they actually have good players aside from him. We don't need to pretend that he's carrying some dog shit roster every time um, he's on the floor. But like, I think the Knicks have the best depth. Like they're really solid, one to nine, and and sorry, I guess maybe one to eight right now until Quentin Grimes joins the party. But like, you know, they're and I still don't think they're getting the best out of everybody yet. I think Josh Hart's turned the corner for sure, um, and we'd definitely talk a little bit more about that. But like, I don't know that. It's not even just getting the best out of individual players. Like I don't think all the groups yet are are kind of clicking. You know, the starters have been. I know the numbers look good on the season, but I think of late, anybody with a brain would be like, yeah, something. You know, and that something might just be Quentin Grimes, but like something has not been quite right with that group. I think the bench has a little bit of an issue of finding the balance of. Yes, letting guys kind of play free and handle the ball, but like there are moments where I think they don't know, or there's a little bit, you know, uh, too much leeway given all around, and they they don't really have the proper hierarchy set up um, in terms of ball handling initiation. But like obviously they've been a strong positive over the year too, and then you have like the mix and match groups in between, and all, basically every combination of those where Jalen Brunson exists is some form of positive. Um, so like. There's still stuff they're figuring out also. And there's still I think they can get more from like I know DiVincenzo, it's kind of crazy to say this, but like I think they can get more from him. Like he's just kind of starting to 
more consistently find his three point shot, right? Uh, I think I think Isaiah Hartenstein has had a little blip over the last eight, nine, ten games. I think he'll be better as the season goes on, and he's still been fine. You know, he's not been bad, but he's. I think he'll be better as the season goes on. Julius Randle absolutely will be better. Uh, I think R.J. Barrett, who we'll talk about, like I don't. He's had another terrible November, uh, which maybe is just like a thing for him now. But um, I think you can expect him to play at least play better than he has since he returned from his uh, migraine absence. And uh, offensively, I think defensively, for the most part, he's been pretty solid. But like. Jalen Brunson, I know this is also insane to say considering he's on a heater from three, but I think you can expect him to shoot better inside the arc. Like, who knows what that looks like? If he can maintain, you know, super cyan, uh, awesome, fucking amazing three-point shooting, I don't see the issue. I I think there's a chance that, like, there's actually a higher level for him to reach as a player and a scorer and all that stuff. I do really like how he's playmate over the last couple games too. I think has really, really stepped up in terms of his uh, kind of distribution and, and letting other guys get into a rhythm as well. So like, I, I just think there's, I don't know, the obviously Quentin Grimes is creeping up too as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then obviously Quentin Grimes is, yeah, he can't play worse. I'll say that much. He's the one player on the team that has a negative on court rating. <laughs> he got the worst on off on the team. Um, he's just not in a good spot right now. He's not in a good place and he needs to figure it out. But like, considering that, Considering like the start that Julius got off to, and then quite frankly, the start that Brunson got off to offensively, uh, considering that I don't think DiVincenzo kind of hit the ground running, to your point, although he does have a 58.6 true shooting now, uh, after, after all has been said and done. Uh, and, you know, Josh Hart, not a great start, right? Like, considering all these things, I, I think the Knicks are, I mean, I, I think they could be the two seed. Like, I, I don't really think that's that outrageous. I don't think they'll catch Boston because I do think Boston's just really strong. Um, even without KP, they've been pretty solid. So, like, I think you have to assume that, barring any catastrophic injury to Jason Tatum, that they'll be right around there at the top of the conference. But, yeah, aside from that, I don't know. I, I, I don't think the Knicks should be scared of any other teams. Um, and, you know, we'll see. Like, does the lack of size hurt them in certain matchups? Like, you know, against the Sixers or the Bucks or the Magic? I, I think that's yet to be determined. Um, but, as of today, you know, the Knicks are 10 and 4 at the conference. They're 6 and 3 at home. They're 6 and 4 away. The best thing I think you can say about this team is they're a pretty consistent home or away, uh, which can be frustrating when they're at home, but it's also very nice when they're away from home. Um, so, yeah, that's I, been I don't a know. Tibbs I, thing for a while, right? Yeah. So. But, yeah, um, so I, I think this team is pretty well positioned. This is kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, um, I think it's tough to argue with any of that. Um, you know, I think DiVincenzo, yeah, to your point, like, and, and I, it's they just they have a consistent shooter. Um, you know, they have relied a lot in the past on young guys to be their shooters, right? And young guys, you know, a guy like Quickly is a shooter. He's going to, he, he's still probably higher variance than a guy like DiVincenzo is. Um, DiVincenzo is a guy you know what you're going to get every night. Um, you know, he fits into any lineup. I think that's been a really good acquisition. And um, 43.4 three point percentage for him now on the season, by the way. Yeah, and, and that doesn't feel unsustainable. Brunson will probably come back down a little bit to earth. Um, I mean, 47%, you would say, unless you're Steve Novak or Steph Curry, um, you're not going to probably shoot that for the whole season. But Brunson is shooting as or, well. Or you're Tyrese Halliburton, right? Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's tough to, um, you know, it's tough to find much wrong with this team. Um, you know, if they do get the two seed, I, I mean, I, I think two through four, 
seems pretty much in reach. That's kind of the expectation. Um, you know, you, you said, you know, Brunson, you have a closer. Um, you know, you have Randall, guys who can carry you on nights when your other guys are, are not really cooking. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, you know, there's been a lot of trade talk there about the Bulls selling. Um, I can see that your, I don't know what to call it, your caption or whatever has a thought on this trade. Um, but a lot of people have proposed the Knicks going after a guy like DeRozan. I've seen Grimes being thrown in there. What would you like to tell Knicks fans about potentially adding a guy like DeMar DeRozan? Does that move the needle in the playoffs by giving the Knicks another, you know, uh, strong isolation score? Um, what would you like to say to Knicks Nation about trading for DeMar DeRozan? Um, no. Just, just <laughs> no. Like, no. It, it, what is the point of training for DeMar DeRozan? He's a terrible playoff player. Like, if the entire point is, oh, we need to do something to raise our playoff ceiling, how the fuck is DeMar DeRozan the answer to that, given his hit track record? In well, given how Grimes has been playing, who do you think he would be an upgrade there? No. Because T will need the ball, and then that means you're giving the ball less to Julius, and you're giving the ball less to Brunson, and you're giving the, ball, giving the ball less to RJ. And and like, yeah, I know there are people who are like, well, is that a bad thing? Like, should RJ be taking as many shots as he should? I, I don't know. But I'd much rather fucking watch RJ Barrett try to figure it out at age 23 and go through whatever he needs to go through in this time than acquire 34-year-old DeMar DeRozan and start donating uh, shots to him so that he can climb up the all-time scoring chart or something. Like, it's just, it, this is a And he stupid... operates from the same area as Julius, right? Like, that fit yeah. seems awful. He's also just had one of his look. I'm not going to say he's totally washed up, but like he's dropped off this season in terms of his overall shot making and percentages from the field. Um, he's never he's a been good a good passer, I think, right now. Yeah, he's a good passer, but he's also the type of passer that requires him to like slow the game down, and everybody has to stand still and watch him, and then he'll, you know, methodically decide what he wants to do. Um, there's a reason why the Bulls have been garbage in assist rate every single year after, or like literally they've sucked basically at passing since Lonzo got hurt. So I think that says plenty about like how good of a passer is he, you know? Um, like I'm not saying he's incapable, but I don't think he's some, like you can't be like, well, he has six assists a game. Great. Like this does not mean the ball is going to start zipping around the floor and like all of a sudden we're going to be, you know, uh, the fucking warriors out here. Like it's just not going to happen. And, uh, he's also I think like, that's, that's where kind of the assist numbers, right? There's, there's a difference between like guy who can make plays, who can get you assists versus a guy who engenders ball movement, right? Like you look at Steph Curry or Tony Parker, their assist numbers have never been through the roof, but they knew how to engender that ball movement, right? So if that's what you're looking for, it's different from a guy like, like a guy like Westbrook who averaged 10 assists. He's blown his assist numbers have generally blown his step out of the water, but you know it's not like you know it, it doesn't create that kind of a, a system if that's what you're looking for, right? So yeah, um, and you know again he's just been a terrible defender his entire career. Um, he can't defend the point of attack, which would mean RJ Barrett has to defend the point of attack now in that starting lineup, and then I, I don't know he's not very he's not really somebody you want defending the point of attack. And then, what, DeMar DeRozan is going to be checking, like, second options or wings? I don't know. It just doesn't really make any sense to me to go be like, oh, well, the answer to this problem is DeMar DeRozan. Like, he is not the fucking answer to any problem, um, aside from do we want to tank. 
Um, that might be a, a, a problem that he is an answer for. But like, yeah, I, I don't. I, I I've never understood the obsession with Demar Derozan. I will never understand it. And you know, Scott Perry was talking about today, you know, or whatever the fucking. What he, I don't know what he was on a podcast or TV or whatever. Talking about like Demar Derozan. You know, if you could get him, and it might be a little clunky, but like that'd be a high level problem to have. Like, buddy, um, you know, uh, thank you for your service. But uh, very, very happy that you're no longer uh, in the next brain trust because Jesus fucking Christ. Where do you think those rumors have been coming last year is about interest in DeMar DeRozan, you know? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, definitely not. I'm not a DeRozan guy. Uh, to, you know, we did mention R.J. Barrett. I, I want to bring this up because, uh, look, he started off the season, I mean, uh, like a fucking house on fire. You know, he's... He's cooking. The first seven games of the season, um, he that he played. By the way, I just want to be very clear because he's missed. He missed two games in between. But the seven games he played to start the season, average twenty two point six points, three point four assists, three point one rebound or three sorry three point one assists, three point four rebounds, forty eight point seven percent from the field, fifty point fifty percent from three, and eighty four point eight percent from the line. That was good for, uh, wait for it, wait for it. That was good for a 62 true shooting, 57 and a half effective field goal percentage. He had the strongest net rating on the team. He still has the strongest net rating on the team. Uh, but because of the numbers I am reading, I will now read off, uh, that has come down a bit closer to earth. Uh, but in the seven games since his return, 14.6 points, 3.9 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 34.4% uh, from the field, 25% from three. And uh, if you look at his advanced numbers in that time, <laughs> so disgusting. Uh, 46 true shooting, 38.5 effective field goal percentage on 28 usage. Um, just not efficient, not good. His usage has actually gone up since he's come back slightly. What what do you make of this? Because uh, obviously we know that R.J. Barrett has been a very uh, up-and-down player in terms of his offensive output anyway throughout his career. Uh, his numbers, his his percentages, both from the field, from three, from you know finishing at the rim, whatever, they can go up and down. Um, are you worried? Do you think this is like probably not that big of a deal and he'll be fine? Um what what do you think about you know what we've seen from RJ? Because right now RJ's basically had like two separate seasons, right? Like he's had like an awesome seven game stretch and then a really bad seven game stretch. Um, what do you make of that? And um, you know, are you worried at all, kind of about him in the present or in the long term? I'm not. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I'm worried about him. Um, I think that you know after the beginning of the season. It was, you know, he was surging. Julius was really struggling. The question was, should this guy be the first or the second option? With Brunson struggling and, and kind of the playmaking issues that Brunson had and really probably to pass out of his drives, which he was displaying, you almost wonder, should he be running a lot more of the offense? Uh, and then, you know, the shooting has come back down to earth. I didn't think we expected him to shoot 44% for the season. Um, I think it tempers, for me, I, I temper a little bit kind of, just how enthusiastic I was starting to feel at the beginning of the season. 
Um, but I think the fact that he's capable of that gives you a lot of confidence for the playoffs. Um, the fact that he did that in the playoffs gives you a lot of confidence. Um, and I think to your point, you know, the defense has still been pretty good. Um, and that's really the concern. It's like, look, we know that there's going to, he's a young player. He's 23 years old. There's going to be ups and downs. Um, I do think, you know, from the beginning of the season, he's not seeing the floor quite as well. So that was one of the main, but before we came into the season, the, the things we talked about was league average three point shooting, consistent effort on defense and, um, and passing out of drives. Right. Um, I think he showed all three of those at an extremely high level at the beginning of the season. Um, I think the defense has been consistent no matter what. Um, that's really good to see. Um, I, I, you know, the three-point shooting is regressed. We'll see what happens. I also think he's being a little bit more aggressive with his three-point shooting. So I'm a little bit okay with, with some of these stretches where he's not shooting as well uh, because he's, he's pretty confident and, and he's being treated like a shooter. Um, and it really just comes down to getting back to that consistent. The shots will start to fall. It's come, getting back to that consistency, passing out of drives. Uh, but I wouldn't say I'm concerned. I think for, for what the Knicks need him to be, Look, he needs to be better than he's been the last few games. He needs to hit shots. Ultimately, it's a make or miss game. But in terms of the process, like I'm not super concerned about RJ. I think he's fine as the third option, especially with Julius starting to to come back to form. Um, I think he's fine. Um, I think it's also worth noting that this starting lineup, um, you know, you you mentioned that they haven't felt as great. You know, you know, I mean, at least compared to last year. But I think their net ratings, like even even to start the season. Yeah, like, um, you know, I, their net rating is still about plus four, plus five in about 200 minutes. So, you know, we should put this in perspective. Like, they were a really great starting lineup last year. They've still been pretty solid, even Grimes struggling, even with, you know, the fact that Julius, RJ, and, um, and Brunson haven't really all been clicking at the same time. Um, it, it's, in, it's, in, you know, it's not like they have great, you know, they're defending really well, 106. Uh, yeah, so the, the net rating is, Plus five point two four for that starting lineup. So it's you know that puts you in puts it in perspective. Um, and so I'm not too worried about RJ. To, to, that's kind of long and short of it. I think as long as he continues to, continues to defend, um, gets back to making some of those passes, making out of drives. I think the shots will fall. Is he going to be a forty percent three point shooter? Probably not. Do I see him finishing the season thirty five or thirty six percent? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I. I don't, I'm not exactly sure, uh, how I feel about what I'm seeing from him. Um, I, the defense has been fine. It's been pretty solid throughout the year. And honestly, he's had some stretches where he's been great, even in this little run. Like, uh, I thought, I know that Booker kind of gamed him, but like, I thought he played really well on Booker down the stretch of that game. I thought he was really good against Miami defensively down the stretch of that game. Um, Last couple of games did not really like his defense against Detroit. I honestly flat out thought it was bad against Detroit defensively. And uh, he's just, he gave up a couple of blow bys. And you're just like, well, how are you getting blown by here? Like, he gave up a straight blow by to uh, Killian Hayes to his left. And it's like, dude, Killian is only ever going to go left. Like, that's just, yeah, you know, you can't, you can't get blown by there. You know, if he bodies you or something, which, you know, I, I don't think Killian Hayes can body RJ Barrett, but like, if he does, fine. But like, you got to make him earn it a little bit more than you did there. And then, um, you know, uh, the game against Toronto, like, I don't know. He's just, uh, there's just like, you're just standing. And, and there's so many places where you just see him standing and, and not going after a rebound. And I just don't understand the rebounding thing with him. Like, I, I this is actually concerning to me. It's probably the one thing about a season that is genuinely, like, 
concerning to me and not even just like because like with some of the shooting and the finishing of the rim and whatever like I'm willing to just take like a let's just see where it shakes out at the end of the year approach but the rebounding is just like dude like you're fucking six six you're mat you're fucking strong as hell like you need to go get a fucking rebound sometimes like go get go get it just go up there and fucking battle for it and too many times you just seem flat-footed and He's just kind of staring at it and it's like kind of he's there, his hands are up, but he's not really fighting for the for the ball. And like I, I don't know. Like I, I wish he would do it more because one, I think when he does get those rebounds, it gives him a really great opportunity to go out in transition uh with the ball and like get ahead of steam going to the basket. And I think he can really use that, especially right now in this little slump that he's having. But like just I you know, obviously just in general, forgetting that piece of it just for the purposes of winning basketball games. It'd be huge. And I, and I do believe this, okay? I, this is actually, like, something I do think. You know, that starting lineup has not been as effective uh, in this recent stretch. That's not all down to R.J. Barrett struggling, by the way. Obviously, Quentin Grimes has been a big problem as well. And whatever, we don't need to get into, like, the whole dynamic of it. R.J. Barrett's not been rebounding well. Quentin Grimes has not been rebounding at all. Um... I think teams are starting to target them on the glass. And I think you've seen that, especially in the last three games. You go back to that Phoenix game, Phoenix killed us on the glass in that game. And yes, we can sit there and be like, oh, well, the big's got to get it. Like, look, Mitch and Hernstein can't fucking just do everything. All right. Like, you've got to have guys. Especially if they're relied on to contest, right? We, we right. rely on, they have huge responsibilities on the team, the rim protection. So, yeah. And, and like, look, some of the, the guys have to go get fucking rebounds. And, um, you know, like, I think there's a reason why that bench group, uh, you know, Hartenstein is not the rebounder that Mitch is. He's not nearly as good as boxing out and whatever. His hands, like, God knows that his ability to corral a contested rebound is always a fucking adventure. Um, but, like, Josh Hart is crashing the glass. Steven Chenzo is crashing the glass. Even, I think, Quickly's done a good job crashing the glass generally this year. Um, there's more going on there. And then, like, look, when you look at this... Look, I think one of the best, I think it might be the second best net rating lineup in the league by per cleaning the glass. But like that group of Brunson, Quickly, Hart, Randall, Mitch, like they're doing a great job. Obviously, they're, they, they're off, like they're, they've been great on both ends of the floor. But I do think part of that is they're ending possessions, right? The biggest part of defense is ending possessions. It's why Nikola Jokic might be the worst defender you've ever seen in your life. But guess what? He gets a shit ton of defensive rebounds. And that matters because that is the biggest key to uh, improving your defense is finishing possessions. And that is a reason why I do believe the Knicks have improved defensively. Um, not the sole reason, but a reason they've improved defensively as a unit this year. So, like, I think, again, going back to this RJ piece of it, like, I just need to see more from him on the glass. Um, as far as his finishing at the rim, like, I don't know. I don't think he's got the same pop he did to start the year. Uh, it feels like he's also forcing shots that he wasn't forcing to start the year, which is really just annoying and disappointing because you're just like, come on. Like, you know, at some point, you got to get the shit out of your game. And I do mean shit. Like, the, some of these shots he's taking are just shit. Like, they're, they're the shots that nuke his efficiency at the end of the year, right? These are the these are the stretches and these are the plays that that – People who are skeptical of him and, or flat out just don't think he's very good. These are the stretches that give them fodder for that for that belief. And they're, they're the, the stretches that, that kind of hurt his impact. Like when you look at his impact metrics, like these are the stretches that hurt his impact metrics because everybody has bad shooting stretches. You don't compound them by also make, taking bad shots. 
And like he has, he's has had too many drives of late where you're like, what was the plan here? What was the, where were you going with this? And I don't think that was the case to start the year. Um, and then, you know, like in terms of his just like how he's moving, like I don't think he's moving as well. I mean, he had that dunk against Toronto where like that he missed in transition. And I'm like, you know, he's like not quite getting off the ground that well. Like, I don't know. It just feels like he's again now playing very much like a groundbound style. Uh, not that he's ever been some, not even started this year. At the beginning of the year, he had that one yam in traffic, right? Where he went up with one foot. Uh, Prez has talked about that a lot, right? Can he get off on one foot and, and finish? Um, so he was definitely a lot more assertive, and, and he looked to have that pop that you're talking about um, early in the season. And, I mean, the migraine shouldn't affect his well-being physically, but, I don't know, maybe he's going through something? Who knows? Um, yeah, I, I don't, I have no idea. But, like, I do think that, again, these are the stretches where, like, people that are, critical of him and skeptical of him and all that stuff. Like these are the stretches that give them kind of that fuel. Right. Um, I think he said something the other day or yesterday, I want to say it was Zach Braziller of the New York post had it, but like there's that the migraines aren't the necessarily like, yeah, uh, the New York post. Um, not that the migraines are like currently affecting him on the court, but that like there's some lingering effects from it. Um, he did go on to say that like, you know, like it, I need to get, I need to be better and I will be better and blah, blah, blah. He said all those right things. But like, look, the, the minutes here are competitive. Um, he didn't close this last game against Toronto, which is not a big deal. By the way, he didn't close against Detroit either. Neither did quick. Like, I don't, you know, I, I don't think we need to have a argument about minutes every fucking game. Um, I think it's kind of reductive and pointless like i get it i get why people are upset about various guys minutes but like i i just don't find it very useful because i do think that like a big portion of this team's success should come from mixing and matching and and stuff like that and uh look if you want to say well he doesn't have the same standard for everybody correct like tibbs does not have the same standard for everybody i i don't know that i need to like like i don't know that we need to debate this uh we we know this we know that this is how it works for all coaches you know like we saw Steve Kerr last week fucking bench Moses Moody in a game that he was the only guy that had anything going in the fourth quarter because he had to get his guys back in there. You know, he had to get Clay and get Wiggins back in there. Um, obviously, I'm not suggesting that uh, that that RJ or quickly or anybody uh, on this team has achieved necessarily what a Clay Thompson has in his career. But at this point in their careers, uh, I would say most of those dudes are better than Clay. And like the fact is, my point being is like. You know, it's kind of crazy to suggest a coach should be treat everybody the same all the time. Um, do I think there are things Tibbs could do better? Yeah, for sure. And we've talked about that before, you know, quickly getting more minutes, whatever. Like, I, it's just not that we know what it is. Like, these are established things. Um, but, like, yeah, like, RJ has, has definitely struggled. But, like, I, I, Quentin Grimes, like, I don't even know what to say about this guy right now. I, I really don't because – He's not giving. He's not giving you shit. Like RJ is struggling to like finish plays and make the right decisions and whatever. But like he is doing shit out there. This is what Quentin Grimes is doing right now. Okay, played seventeen games this year. Seventeen twenty three minutes. Six point two points. One point three rebounds. One point two assists. Thirty six percent. Thirty six point three percent from the field. Thirty four point nine percent from three. Uh, he did make his first two free throws of the season against um, against the Raptors, so kudos to him. 
I mean, none of these numbers are great, right? Like, advanced, like his 50.8 true shooting. His usage is a career low now, 12. Uh, and then, you know, look, the, the on court, he's minus 2.8 on. His on off, he's minus 14.9. Like, so they're just getting fucking like trounced in his minutes compared to the rest of the team. And I, I don't know. Like, I, I, he's also just playing super passively and, it just doesn't feel like he's getting to any rhythm with these lineups that he's with that lineup. Uh, I do think like you're getting close to a time where you might need to consider playing uh, DiVincenzo over it. And um, look, I to start the year, I thought there's no question that Grimes deserved to start the year based on kind of everything that happened last season. But we've had 19 games. Uh, we're gonna have 20 tomorrow against Milwaukee in the in-season tournament quarterfinals. I, I don't know how much longer you can kind of just like, oh, we'll get, he'll turn it around, he'll turn it around. Because right now he's just not. I mean, he, he's not even close. He, he's not even like, he doesn't even look like he wants, or he, he's think, confident to be out there. Do you think moving him to the bench could hurt his confidence even more? If that's going to hurt his confidence even more, then you know, maybe he's not. I mean, maybe we pegged him. Doesn't have the makings of a varsity athlete. Yeah, he might not have to make his varsity athlete. If benching him is going to totally ruin his already ruined confidence even more. Like, uh, and and this is partly on coaching too. But he's got to like, you can't. Okay, you don't want to come off the bench, play better. Like, I don't really know what else to say. Like, he's this is nineteen games in. This is not some bullshit sample. Like, one more game here, twenty games in. Like, it's basically a quarter of the season gone, and he's giving you nothing. Like, he's really giving you. One good game against the Bucks, and that's it. I mean, look at it. You can look at his game logs. Like, if you look at his game log, it's not pretty. Okay. Like, his season high in terms of points for the season 17. Seven. He scored double digits only four times. He scored 12 in the opener, or sorry, on the opener. He scored 12 in a game in Boston. He scored 11 in the opener, and he scored 11 against Atlanta, the game that he got hurt in. And I, I've seen people suggest, well, you know, he got hurt. Like, maybe he's struggling coming back from that. Is it a wrist injury? It's fucking non-shooting hand. Give me a break, dude. The guy's not exactly putting the ball on the floor. It's his god hand. <laughs> it's his, it's his, uh, it's his jerk-off hand. Um, but, like, he scored single digits 13 out of 17 games. He's got two games he didn't even score. He's got three, he's got four games where he only made one shot. You know, this is bad. Like, this is just bad. I mean, I can, these are the point totals just from highest to lowest 17, 12, 11, 11, 8, 6, 6, 6, 5, 5, 5, 4, 3, 3, 3, 0, 0. Found silence in the fucking dialing an 800 number. You know, like, this is just, this is nothing. Like, he's, I hate to harp on this, but like, it's, it's fucking wild. Like, he's literally giving you nothing right now. I mean, do you um, need much scoring from that spot, though, given that you do have three pretty high usage guys in that lineup? You need, and he, he gives needs... you the spacing and the defense, right? Which is kind of what you... Is he giving you the spacing? Because I, I would mean, say right now he's not really... I mean, defenses are closing out on him, at least, right? Yeah, but he's not doing anything out of it. Like, if sp- spacing has to come with, like, yes, he's spacing the floor, but is that space doing anything? Like, what is he... Genuinely creating for this team right now. Well, there's there's more room for Brunson and like I mean, someone threw out a comparison to. But they're Alfred but they're Dane. better. They they've had more success with literally every other guy that plays this spot quickly or Divincenzo. So like 
I don't think he's giving you the spacing right now. Like, he's not doing anything with it. When he, if I'm Julius Randle, I'm done kicking the ball out to this guy. I, I get a, it, I get why I've seen Julius Randle look him off like a bunch in recent games. And in the moment, I'm like, come on, Julius, make the pass. But I can understand why Julius might be like, fuck this guy. I'm not passing the ball. He's going to, like, there was He's going to pump fake and then kill yeah. the momentum. He, he did this against, um, was it against Detroit? I don't remember who it was. It might have been Detroit or it doesn't matter. One of these recent games where it's like Julius sets him up for a corner three. He pump fakes, dribbles in like two steps, and then he throws it back to Julius with, like six seconds left on the clock. And it's like, all right, so I set you up for a super high-value shot, a shot that's in your wheelhouse. It was also the left corner, which is like Grimes' hot spot. And you're not – and you, you, you don't just not take the shot. You then toss it back to me in a, grenade, in a grenade situation? Like, that's bullshit, you know? And I, we've seen this from him way too much. He's not even – there was a play against Toronto. He comes off that, you know, dribble handoff that they do to initiate possessions with Julius. He – he takes a dribble without looking, without any feel, without seeing how they're defending him. He picks up his dribble. Brunson's trying to get the ball, but Schroeder's kind of cutting off that pass. He throws it across the court to Mitch. And I'm like, you have got to be fucking kidding me right now. Like, how do you have less confidence to put the ball on the floor than Mitchell Robinson? How is that possible? Like, you're, you're a fucking two-guard. Like, I don't need him to be, you know, Kobe or something, but like, Come on, man. You've got to be able to do something off the dribble a little bit. And, and you know, I do mean this. I know this comes across very facetiously. It kind of is. It's a little little jokey joke. But, like, it was nice to see him, like, put the ball on the floor twice against Toronto. He got a layup, and, and he also had a nice little dump-off pass to Mitch. But, like, like, that's kind of the point where it's like, okay, but you why, why not do this more? And it's like you could tell, like, they when he did it, they were like, Holy shit! Like I can't believe this guy just actually finally put the ball on the floor. They were so caught unawares. And then you compare that to like Divincenzo, um, who is basically operating in a similar role, both in the with the bench and with the starters. And all like his why is his usage so much higher? Like why is he able to get shots up? Why is he able to to find a way to to be involved offensively? And like that is probably the most damning part to me of his season so far. You know, there's always this idea of like, oh, we were playing four and five on offense with Mitch out there. Like, I don't really think that's true. It's definitely not true this season, considering how much attention teams have to give him to to keep him off the offensive glass. But like, if you subscribe to that theory, you're basically playing three on five right now with Grimes out there because he's not giving anything. He's not shooting the ball. He's not shooting the ball well when he does shoot it. He's not putting the ball in four. He is not passing well. He's not making good decisions. He he's not even trying to get open off the ball half the time in a way that's that the makes biggest sense. difference with Divincenzo, right? Divincenzo is yeah. moving a lot. Um, you know, you see a lot of that continuity, you know, back and forth with quickly. You're just, I mean, right, like people have said, you know, how what you can expect, right? Grimes is told to stand in the corner, and there are you can put some of that on Tibbs and Randall. But to your point, if you do like an A B test versus Divincenzo, it looks completely different. Or even Hart, right? Hart will, will cut. Hart will will do other stuff. And there's no reason to believe that Grimes can't do some of these things. He's, he's built pretty strong. Um, um, yeah. Attack Jones is willing to do that. That's what you're here to here to do. Um, and he's not doing any of that. Um, and I don't know if Tibbs needs to just, you know, get in his ear. It, it's not something we've seen. From, you know, he's, 
he's had a relatively quick trigger. I think going back to the playoffs is maybe it could be a relic of the playoffs, right? Because he's getting up two shots a game, uh, really wasn't getting the ball much. You know, it could be that he just kind of lost his way there. But this isn't, you know, I think the one thing I would say is that we do have a large sample of Quinn Grimes not being this passive, right? We saw last year, yes. he probably fell in love a little bit too much with that dump off to Mitch. Um, this year, it's just, it's a different level of pass- passivity, uh, passiveness. Um, and um, that's the one thing where I do have hope. It's like, this isn't this isn't the Quinn Grimes that we've seen for a couple of years. Um, so, but yeah, to your point, like everyone else is, is with the program and he just isn't right now. Um, and it's not, it doesn't, it's not like he has to do a whole lot, you know, just cut, be willing to jack up a few threes. That That's, I mean, he worked, he worked out with JJ Redick. Some of it, like Redick was, Redick took some bad shots in his career, um, that were good shots for him, that someone like Doc Rivers was going to tell him you need to shoot that, um, uh, because like that is part of our offense. You know, it's not a high percentage shot and, 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 you know, um, it could be a mandate, you know. I, I know that uh, Prez has talked about this, where his theory is kind of that the Knicks are just never going to run a lot of off-ball motion or like movement shots because they're not particularly efficient for anyone whose name isn't Steph Curry. Um, even a guy like Redick, it wasn't the greatest shot in the world. Uh, but that's kind of the point: it's that it's not about what that shot's efficiency gives you; it's about what it can open up to the rest of the offense. And right now, like Grimes just isn't giving you that. Uh, but even if we're not talking about that, you just like you get the ball, you got to shoot. That's your job. Um, you know, maybe you'll go through a rough stretch. Maybe you'll, you'll miss a few shots, but that's okay. But you're to your point, right? Like Brunson and Randall and, and, um, RJ have to be able to trust you. They have to be able to trust that they're going to, they create an opportunity and you're going to pay it off. And if you miss, it's fine, but it's, you know, the process has to be there. And I think that's the most concerning thing, right? It's the process in terms of cutting, in terms of being that off ball guy who can accentuate. Because we know that Grimes is never going to be a guy who gets to 25, 30 usage. You're not going to put the ball in his hands and ask to create. Um, you know, but it's, it's just like when you are playing that, you know, when you're playing the bass guitar, you got to still play the bass guitar. You got to keep the rhythm of the offense going. And he's just not doing that, um, right now. Yeah. Look, somebody's got to be Ringo, right? But you got to be Ringo. Like you got to be Ringo. You can't just like be out there not doing anything. Um, so we'll see. I mean, look. I don't. I, I. I. I think they might. I think Tibbs might rework the starting lineup uh, before you know the next. Uh, let's say by. Let's say maybe by the end of this week. But like, I, I don't think he wants to. Like, I. I think he would love if Grimes just got his shit together and that was that. But Grimes is kind of putting it in into a position of jeopardy right now with how he's playing and. Um, I can't blame Tibbs if he makes a change, you know? Like, I, I think he'd be... I think he'd have been justified doing it sooner, actually, to be honest. I think he's given Grimes a lot of opportunity here. To, yeah, and, and Grimes just has not delivered at all. I don't. He hasn't played a second in the fourth quarter in the last five games or something. Like, you know, he, he's just not in a good place right now, and, and Tibbs is and, kind of and, recognizing it. And if you were to make that change, you would go DiVincenzo, right? Not quickly or Hart in Grimes' place? Yeah, well, definitely not Hart. Please, God. I don't want to do the Josh Hart, RJ Barrett thing again. That was fucking death. Well, I mean, it works when they're at the three and the four, right? But if they're playing next to yeah. Randall, that definitely doesn't seem yeah, to work. Yeah, that, that's like death by 10,000 paper cuts. Um, but like, yeah, I would go DiVincenzo. I do think that I, I get that there'll be people that are like, oh, you know, like if, if your point is we just need to give quickly more minutes and I don't care if this is like not the 
super most optimal kind of role that he would play in. Um, okay. So you're, you're saying you like him in his current role? Um, yes. Um, correct. But yeah, I mean, what do you think? Do you think you would go DiVincenzo there? I probably would, um, just because I do get the kind of the desire to keep quickly with the bench. Although I think I'm less concerned than I have been um, in the past about... Um, I think like the concern is always like quickly as a guy, you want the ball in his hands. He's a good off-ball player, but you want the ball in his hands. Um, I would say that, um, you know, when I, I would say that some of the concerns about the ball, ball movement in the starting lineup have actually decreased for me because I've seen those guys do a better job of pushing the pace, moving the ball, playing, you know, and I think that's why DiVincenzo would fit in. I think the, the argument for quickly would be, yeah, give him more minutes. And yeah, let's face it. If he's he's coming into a contract year, um, if you keep him happy, maybe it gets you it gets you a better chance of of locking him up for for a reasonable deal, right? Uh, as opposed to you know, it makes it it makes the numbers make more sense. Where instead of you, you can, if you can't justify paying twenty five million for a guy who plays twenty minutes a night, maybe if you start if you're just starting shooting guard and your bench carrier, um, that um, that maybe makes it a little bit easier, but. Um, I think if you're going strictly by fit, I get it with DiVincenzo. I think it would be either of those guys. I think it would be fine. Um, I think you could definitely make it so that quickly can come out, be the first sub out, and then come back with the bench uh, and still retain that. You'll bring him out at the six-minute mark. Um, that's not necessarily how Tibbs operates, but I think that's doable. Um, so I, 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 I think quickly is the best player, and I would probably – and I think he's a better on-ball defender than DiVincenzo, which is, I think, the biggest concern about moving Grimes to the bench is – you know, DiVincenzo's significantly smaller. Um, you know, he's a really good off-ball defender, but, you know, as a point-of-attack guy, I think quickly is better. So I think those are the things that quickly brings. And, you know, you're, you're dealing with this potential contract issue, which quickly hasn't made an issue yet. You're nipping that a little bit in the bud, though. So I think those are the arguments for quickly, but I wouldn't be upset to see DiVincenzo in that spot either. Yeah, I mean, if it was up to me, I'd start quickly. But... Um... I think there's an argument, and I, I don't think it's a stupid argument. I, I think there's a legitimate argument for like, hey, it's actually better for him to come off the bench. He gets more usage. He gets more touches. Like he's more involved offensively in that. But you can still to... have that, right? That's kind of my you point. You can. You definitely can. Um, I just I get why there's that argument. Um, and you know, it is what it is. But like, the I think the main takeaway though is that like, this is a thing that needs to be considered. Um, until if you know, until Grimes gets his shit together. If Grimes gets his shit together, then we don't need to worry about it. Then we're good to go. That has not been the case. And uh, I will say this: like you know, you mentioned quickly as a contract here. Grimes up for an extension after the season. Um, the Knicks have you know they they have a decision coming on Julius Randle. Uh, they have a decision coming on Jalen Brunson, which isn't going to be much of a decision. It's going to be like, okay, how much can do can we pay you? Here's that number, and that's that. Um, you know, in terms of extension, they have obviously a decision on quickly. They have a decision like they have a lot of. They have a decision on Isaiah Hartenstein. Yeah. yeah, like they they have a lot of contractual decisions coming up. I'm not saying that like they're out on Grimes. I don't think they are. I I, I mean nothing about what they're they, what they've done with him in the game. Anything I think they're. I mean they've been really really um kind of they've shown a lot of faith in him. So I, I don't think this at all, but like I do think that if you can, if you continue to struggle, you have to wonder how that changes kind of like 
you know, what they view him as and, and what they want to do with him. Because, like, I imagine Quentin Grimes still has good trade value. Like, I'm not saying he's, you know, he's going to get some star, like, he's some fucking superstar. But, like, I think there are plenty of teams on the NBA that would be like, no, no, like, we're, yeah, we've seen it. We've seen what he can do. Like, we're comfortable with this. He's a good defender. The three-point shot will come around. Like, I think he still has value. Um, the Knicks are really good, as we talked about. I think you have to start considering, like, how, and, and there's a, this is a shifting scale, but, like, how much are we willing to give up in terms of, like, long-term value to bump up our baseline and our ceiling right now? And I think in that capacity, if Grimes continues to struggle, he becomes an interesting trade chip. Um, it's for the Yes, for the But like, uh, he, he becomes an interesting trade chip if they are looking to find something on the wing to give themselves uh, uh, a bit of an upgrade. Um, so, like, I think that that part I think is definitely entering an inter- interesting uh, time here. Yeah, I, I think that. Um... I mean, it, de- it certainly seems like if they were to make a move, whether this summer or um, during the season, he would probably be the first guy. Um, I think quickly is too indispensable to what they're doing right now. Um, even Chenzo makes sense from a salary perspective, but he's he's giving them a lot. Um, you know, I don't know what the market is going to be for like Josh Hart. Um, so you'd have to think Grimes is, is going to be that guy. Um, I, I don't know what's out there, but um, but you'd certainly imagine that he's going to be you know one of the guys that. Um, that they're going to see what the market is for. I think if you, if you don't do that, you're not doing your job. Uh, you know, we haven't talked about the in-season tournament much. Um, the Knicks are playing the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, first of all, like, I don't think we've talked about this. Like, what are kind of your, there's been a lot of consternation from people, you know, about the, the mid-season tournament and all of that. Uh, what are kind of your thoughts on it in general? And, uh, and what are your uh, expectations in, for the Knicks? Uh, beat the Bucks. I don't know. It's so weird to talk about this because, first of all, I don't even understand the fucking schedule. Like, we don't even know. Like, we'll find out, I guess, who they might play if they win tonight. Um, I believe Porzingis is still out for this. So, Indiana gets. Uh, They're playing tomorrow night. The, the Pacers and Celtics are playing tonight. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, Porzingis is out for this. So, I guess we'll find out who the Knicks might play if they advance. Um, I, I Well, so since the Celtics had a major injury, should they have been removed from the tournament? Because apparently you can't get into a playoff tournament if you uh, if you have a major injury. So even if you're under, I was I was uh, I was wondering when we were going to work that in here. Um, so good job, good job. But who's the, who's the one seed in the playoff? By the way, I, I didn't check that out. But, uh, uh, I don't know. I have I have to check uh, the iPhone recordings I'm getting from my assistants uh, <laughs> that I sent out to record various games. Uh, no, it's Michigan, and they're hopefully going to win it all. But like. Uh, yeah, I, I obviously I would want the Knicks to to I, I think they should win this game. Like I, I it's just it's a weird thing to be like, hey, you gotta win this. But like I one, it's cool because there are stakes now, right? It's like a single elimination. So I think it'll be really cool to see the intensity of this game. Uh and it'll be interesting to see how Tibbs coaches it, by the way. I, I think that 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 would be pretty interesting. Um but like a point differential played way into his wheelhouse, by the way, because he's like, Well, I would love to bench my starters up thirty 30- <laughs> points, but this point differential matters, so I got to leave him in there. Right? <laughs> yeah, I got, I got to have, I got Julius. We need him out there. It's just, I'm sorry, we got to do it. Uh, 
I'm pretty interested. Like, I, I think the Knicks should win this. I think they're a better team than Milwaukee right now. Like, I obviously Milwaukee always has a chance of Giannis going off, Dame going off, and even Brooke Lopez has been really, really good lately. Uh, I actually have no. Has Middleton even been playing? Is he hurt right now? I have no clue. Um, but like, I, either way, he has not been doing much. But those three have been really, really good. Uh, yeah, it looks like his minutes are slowly ticking up here for Middleton. Uh, he had 25 against 25 minutes against the Hawks, 27 minutes against the Bulls, 23 minutes against the Heat. Um, still not playing all that well. But you know, that being said, now that I said that, he probably have the game of his season uh, against the Knicks on Tuesday. But like. Is David Shaw used the W word for Middleton. Um, maybe I don't know. I, look, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the most reactionary take I've ever seen. Uh, but like the Knicks have better depth. They are a more cohesive group. Um, even if they still have their own shit, they need to figure out. And I just think they're playing better right now. So, I don't know if you say you expect them to win, but I do think that the Knicks and I think us as fans should go in there expecting, like, hey, look, like we have every chance to win this game. We should have beaten them earlier this season, right? Like, we should have won that game in Milwaukee earlier this season. Giannis hit three threes, the most annoying fucking threes in the history of the world. The Knicks couldn't make a fucking shot in that game. Uh, ironically, the only one who really could was, like, Obviously, Jalen Brunson, who was phenomenal, but and Quentin Grimes, who had the game of the season. Uh, but like, yeah, like I, I think the Knicks should win this game, and um, I'm excited to watch it. I think they're going to be pretty jazzed, jacked up for it. And is it fair to say you're, yeah? I mean, because there's been debate: you know, is the in-season tournament gimmicky? Is it sounds sound, like you think it's been a cool idea so far? Yeah, I, I love it. I think it's a great idea, and. Um, I think like I think the NBA needed it. I, I the you know there's always been like the idea of like well the NBA season doesn't really start until Christmas, right? Christmas is like the lo- the unofficial kind of like soft launch of the NBA into the uh you know you know before the before Christmas is only for the diehards. After that is when the casuals get into it. But like I think this in-season tournament's kind of like picked it up. I mean, it, people talked about it that day, like that final day of group games was actually pretty like crazy, right? Like people are like tracking all the fucking games around the league and yet all these different scenarios that were popping up. Like, I think it's been fun and the players seem to be taking it seriously. Uh, teams are taking it seriously. Coaches are like, it's, it's a good thing. Um, and I think like making games matter more is, is very important. You know, like I, I don't like, the idea that like oh I, I hate this idea of like oh well eighty two games is too long and it's uh, it's just so it's such a slog and it's like dude it's the fucking season like that's what it is and if you don't want to play eighty two games fine you want to take less money no you don't okay great so let's get on with this then um so I, I think it's been really good for that like just to create buzz and interest uh at a time in the calendar when that's not quite there um and then you know I think. Like it, it's, it also is just cool to have like a single elimination format um, in the NBA. We've never seen it, right? We've never seen that. And we, I mean, we, I think people have always talked about this, right? Like, how cool would it be if like the NBA had an NCA tournament type of like, if they ever did that, right? In some combat. And like, now you're actually going to get eight teams playing in this format. And honestly, these are not like, this is some of the best teams in the league, you know? 
Boston, Milwaukee, New York. Uh, not the Pacers, but Pacers aren't it. Uh, but you have the Lakers, uh, the Kings. I, who else is in the West? I don't, I don't remember. But like the Kings and Suns. It's Lakers Suns, right? So you got your yeah. you, Lakers Suns, which is star studded matchup, right? Uh, and then Kings Pelicans, which is actually pretty interesting as well. Um, yeah, that's, I, I, that, that one's gonna be pretty fun, I think. Is that is Lakers Suns tonight? Uh, no, that's tomorrow. Kings Pelicans. So the the lineup tonight is Pacers Celtics and Kings Pelicans. Um, and then uh, tomorrow night is Bucks Knicks and then Lakers Suns. So they're they're saving the the stars for for tomorrow. I see. Um, yeah. But namely Jalen Brunson. But yeah, and uh, apparently yes. uh, starting small forward for the Lakers, Cam Reddish. <laughs> Cam Reddish. They will. I mean, you know, we can talk a little bit about that. But like, um, the yeah, I, I think it's just it's cool. Like we're gonna get to see these guys play single elimination game and. You know, obviously we've seen plenty of elimination playoff games, but I do think single elimination brings in just an element that is unique um, and and totally different. Uh, as far as you just mentioned, Cam Reddish, you know, there's Cam, uh, who's I don't know. I quite honestly, I don't watch the Lakers because I find them pretty boring. Like, I feel like I, I don't know. I just I'm not always past my bedtime anyway. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just don't find them a very fun watch. Um, and then, uh, I guess he's playing well. Uh, and then Obi is, has had some couple of nice games. I think he's been shooting the ball better over the last nine or 10 games or something. Um, but like, he's playing good defense. I forgot who it was, but they played him at the three a little bit and he was, um, he's been, his defense, I think effort was never an issue, right? And I, I counterintuitive it as it is, I think he might be a little bit better suited for perimeter defense where he can kind of just go, right? As drop is the kind of, Achilles heel for him, um, but this can't get overpowered in a perimeter. Yeah, uh, though he does when he plays the four. But like, look, I, I don't know who's playing defense in Indiana, considering some of the numbers I've seen from them. But um, <laughs> it's like every game I forget like, who we matched. He matched up with a good player and like held him to four for eleven or something. And you know, someone was it Quentin Grimes? So. <laughs> yeah, a very high usage player like Quentin Grimes. So. <laughs> uh, I don't. Give a shit how these guys are playing. Like, I saw, like, okay, obviously, if Obi is like all of a sudden he's like a fucking star or something, then I'll be like, well, that sucks. <laughs> um, but like, short of that, if these guys go on to have like solid careers in the NBA, good for them. I mean, genuinely mean that, good for them. I don't care as far as it concerns the Knicks. Like, Obi had a year left on his contract. He was locked in. If he was here, he was locked in as a backup four. That was it. There was no, there was nothing else that was happening for him. He's never going to play the five. And guess what? I don't think Carlisle's played it much at the five either. So say what you want about Tibbs. And I've yeah. been, I was, I was very critical of Tibbs usage of OB and whatever, but like maybe he was right. He was definitely right about that. It looks like anyway. Um, more, more importantly, I think like, you know, I will for, say this: the numbers that Toppin is Toppin is shooting eighty-seven percent at the rim. Sorry, he's shooting eighty-seven percent at the rim. Um, his like his efficiency is just comical right now. I mean, you have to give Calvert and some of the credit for that, but thirty-six percent. said, but like that's kind of hilarious. Is he like seventy-something true shooting? No, his his true shooting is like uh, it's seventy percent because he's again. Yeah. In, I mean, he's not going to shoot eighty-seven percent of the rim for the season, but that's that's pretty hilarious. Who knows? They have their their floors. That floor is so spread. Um, and he's shooting. I mean, thirty-six percent. If he does that from three, that's that's really good. 
yeah, so good for him. Um, but like, it was not going to happen for him here. I don't think they gave away like a star. I think they gave away like a guy who's solid. Um, and he very much fits what Indiana is doing. So it's a great landing spot for him. But like, teams have identities and players have to fit in within those identities and, and kind of adapt. Not every player is going to be a fit on every team, right? Like, I don't think, you know, not, like people talk about this with regard to playing with LeBron, right? Like some guys can play with LeBron and some guys struggle, like, because especially if you're an off-ball shooter, like you have, like he has to trust you to knock down shots. And that's a lot of pressure, right? Because you're not getting the ball a lot. You're not handling the ball a shit ton. You're just being asked to like space the floor. And when I kick you the ball, like make a solid clip of those threes. And um, that's not a, that's not an easy thing. Not everybody's made to do that. And like the Knicks obviously play a very half court style of ball. They do not get up and down, right? They're not pushing tempo. They grind it out. The spacing is not necessarily always the primary concern of lineup construction. Um, physicality is owning the glasses, winning the possession battle is all those things are. And the role that the Knicks had Obi in very specifically required him to be a guy who was not involved much offensively, who did space the floor primarily um, and stayed out of the way. And obviously that was not something that he enjoyed or was necessarily comfortable in. And, you know, obviously I thought Indiana would be a good fit because I did think he'd just be more involved and they get up and down and blah, blah, blah. And it, look, it seems like it has been a much better fit for him than it was here. But like, my point is, I think once the Knicks had a really good season last year. They kind of figured it out, right? They figured out what we are as a team. What do we want to be? What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? They figured out what kind of players they want and what kind of players fit. And DiVincenzo fits. DiVincenzo fits what this team is, how we play, the strengths he brings to the table, right? In terms of his defensive rebounding, in terms of his three-point shooting, uh, in terms of some of the fact that like he can play bigger than his size, so it gives you some options with different lineups. Like he's he makes sense here. Um, and as far as Cam Reddish is concerned, I'll just say this about Cam Reddish. Uh, Cam Reddish sucked in New York. He sucked in Atlanta. And he sucked in Portland. If he's having a good season right now in L.A., good for him. He, he's always... Really, though, he's, he's shooting 32% from three. Um, maybe it's been better since he's starting. But um, like it's not like he's blowing. The numbers aren't like insane or something like that. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I, again, I'm not watching Lakers games. So maybe he is playing better and the numbers just haven't. You know, they're not capturing the value he provides. But, like, sometimes guys need wake-up calls in their career to, like, get their shit together. And Cam Reddish has always had talent, right? Like, he's – we talk about it plenty on here. Like, he's 6'9", he's a fluid athlete, he's got great physical tools in terms of his wingspan. Um, Some of his touch around the rim – is really nice. Some of his finesse, one dribble pull really up, nice. his two dribble pull up. Who he is at the elbow. elbow. Yeah, yeah, all those things are great. But like, he didn't put any of that together in any meaningful way in his previous stops in, in the NBA. It wasn't just New York, right? It's not just Tibbs. It wasn't just Tibbs. It was Atlanta. It was in Portland. Um, and it's not just oh well, you know, he wasn't making shots. Like he's making bad decisions offensively, trying to do too much. He clearly had a kind of inflated sense of self uh, at times. And defensively, he was a disaster. When I have seen him this year, I to his credit, when I, I think I have that's seen been him, the part where he's improved, really, is defense. Yeah. 
and especially yeah. for what they wanted. And you have to give the Lakers credit, by the way, for that. Rui Hachimura was not known as a lockdown guy. He looked pretty good at defensively on the playoffs. They have they 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 do a good job of developing those guys. Um, the, you know the second swing guy. So that that was a good fit for Cam in retrospect as well. Yeah, so good for him. It's a good fit for him, and hopefully, like it's better for for his career. But he was never going to have that opportunity here, and I don't think the Knicks are missing out on like some amazing prospect. Like he he wasn't going. You know what? What'll help? What'll help you uh, humble yourself and accept a role? Playing with LeBron James. Because guess what? You can't get in the in that locker room and think to yourself, man, I'm better than this fucking guy. Like, I'm better. I got more game than him. I need the ball. You could probably delude yourself in the Knicks locker room and be like, I need the ball more than Jalen Brunson. I need it more than Julius Randle. Like, what is, why is Emmanuel quickly getting more touches than me? Like, uh, you can, you can do that. But doing that in the Lakers locker room is different. But like, I genuinely mean this. Like, I think I've talked about this previously. Guys have their own journeys in their careers. Sometimes they need like, to experience failure and like kind of stare at your NBA mortality, right? Like, oh, he had no offers. Like he, his market was the fucking league minimum. That that's what he got. He's done. He's getting the fucking. Or I'm pretty sure he's on the league minimum. Um, and it's like that was his market after his fourth season in the NBA. This is a guy who's a top ten pick. Uh, who was what was he the second best prospect or second ranked prospect in his high school class? Like he. Um. RJ was one, Zion was two, but yeah. So okay. So third, like, this is a guy who had thought he was, like, about to, you know, was on the path to stardom, and obviously he's taking a massive detour. Like, sometimes that's what it takes, and, like, you know, I mean, I don't think he's going to become a star. I'm almost positive that won't happen. But can he become a solid NBA player? Sure. I don't think it was going to happen in New York, though. I think he needed to have these experiences in his career to turn it around, potentially. And this is like, I mean, I talked about this when we traded for him. I talked about this actually before we traded for him. But, like, that was my concern about trading for Cam. And I was like, are you developing him for yourself? Or is this a guy where the light bulb is going to turn on in, like, his mid-20s and he's not on your team anymore? Um, you know, a guy that's kind of similar, at least in terms of just that idea of a career arc, is uh, is Bobby Portis, right? Um so that was always my concern with him, and maybe that's how it plays out. But like, I don't, I don't begrudge them their success that they're experiencing. Both those guys, like, I'm like, happy for them, good for them. But I also do not need to hear from Knicks fans who want to cry about like, oh my god, I can't believe Obi's gone. Oh my god, I can't believe Reddish is gone. Like, they're gone, dude. It's over. The Knicks are really good still. Like, you're not gonna, you not, you are not going to hit a hundred percent. It's not possible. You're not going to bat a thousand, right? Like, it's not possible to do that. Every fucking team in the NBA has hits and misses. They have guys they gave up on that go somewhere else and figure it out and play good ball. Like, this is every team in the NBA. This is not just New York, okay? Fucking the the, the and this isn't. This is also isn't Rod Strickland, right? Uh, shout out. Yeah. The, it's the, it's a uh, it's guys who play good. I I think with Ham, the thing is. That is the kind of thing that you'd like the Knicks to have is that six eight wing, right? To throw at someone like a Jimmy Butler defensively. But the Knicks have been playing great defense. Um and you know, if you look at DiVincenzo's one for one replacement for Obi, like I think I still think that's a win for the Knicks, right? Because as good as Obi is playing, DiVincenzo gives you better he's a better shooter, you know, much better shooter. He's he's probably the best shooter on the team. I don't think that's unfair to say. Quickly is a little bit more dynamic off the pull up, but I don't he's think like, that's he's the best like I, in, the term, in, in, in terms of like the, in terms of like the traditional player archetype of shooter, yes, I agree. Even sense of the shooter, 
Um, but yeah, it just, it's fine. Like, I just, I cannot, I cannot fathom being so upset about this stuff still, you know, like still being upset that, uh, and, and again, like, dude, like, every team has hits and misses. Fuck it. The Nets gave away, they, they didn't bring back Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown goes on to be like a exceptionally key player on the Nuggets championship team, right? Like, every team has hits and misses. The Lakers, the, the, the amazing Lakers, they let Austin Reeves walk. And they've spent like most of the, or not Austin Reeves, uh, sorry. Wow. That's very racist. <laughs> Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso walked. <laughs> and, and like, they've been, they, you know, they made all kinds of stupid moves, right? They traded Kuzma and all this shit to get West, Westbrook, Russell Westbrook. And it's like, teams make mistakes. Every single team makes it. And, and every single team will fuck up shit. But you can't, you can't assume like, oh, well, they fucked this up, so now everything is terrible. Like, no, that's not how it works. Look at the state of the Knicks. The Knicks are 12 and 7. They're in a good position. They have a deep roster. Is it a little undersized? Sure. Is that manifesting in some way that is some inherent weakness that is fucking them up? Uh, I don't think so. You know, great rebounding team. So, whatever. Um, all right. Uh, Stacy, I know that you got to get out of here. So, um, I guess uh, let the people know they can find you and uh, plug anything you'd like to plug. Also, make your prediction. Are the Knicks going to advance or do they lose? Um, Stacy Patton, 89. Um, my prediction is there's only the one thing for the Knicks to do here, and that's win the whole fucking thing. Um, so, yeah, that's my prediction. Um, yes, I, too, will be rooting for the Knicks to win the whole fucking thing, as he says. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm nothing to plug. Uh, I will plug all the work at the Strickland. Check out the recaps. Everybody's doing really good work. Uh, Joe Flynn has recently uh, joined the staff, and he's uh, done a few really nice recaps as well, so definitely check those out. Um, check out Strictly NFL. Uh, Khan and Jeff are doing really good work on there. Takes from obvious bozos dropped over the weekend, so definitely give that a listen with uh, with Drew and Zach. Um, I'm nothing to plug personally, so uh, that's all I have. So that is our show for today. I hope everybody other than Scott Perry and DeMar DeRozan have a great week. Uh, I hope the Knicks, the Knicks will win tomorrow. I'm uh, guaranteeing it. All right. Um, again, that's our show for today. I hope everybody has a great week, and I will see you on Friday.